welcome again to another evening. I'm Danny. You can find me on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books. Um, I'm going to apologise now because I have a stinking cold. Um, so this is me great for you to listen to with me talking with my sinuses blocked. Uh, but for this episode, I am going to be joined by the delightful Anna James. She is on Instagram as at a case for books. Um, she's also the author of the Pages and Co series, which is a magical uh, middle grade series of novels um, that just sounds so magical. And if you've got children around that age that could appreciate these novels, they, mine too, are probably a tad young for them, but as soon as my daughter's old enough, I feel like she will adore them. Um, and actually, you know, a lot of adults are really enjoying middle grade. Um, they're pure escapism, right? And these are like a real ode, a real love story to reading and to books. Um, Anna herself quite often will post stacks of what she's been reading, uh, reviews of books that she's picked up. Um, she used to be a librarian. So obviously she is a book lover um, and I'm incredibly excited because I've got a feeling that she's going to really bring that to her novel evening so uh, let's check it out. A massive hello to Anna, hello! Hi! How are you doing? I'm really well, a bit hot, we're recording this during the heat wave but can't <laughs> complain. Um, I'm in the hottest I... room of my house as well, like oh, no. it's the quietest room but I'm like Oh yeah, no, I spent a lot of today kind of um, hiding in the coolest corner I can uh, find with a book. Um, too, obviously people, I'm very ginger uh, and I do feel very too, too ginger for this weather. Oh, I just burn as well. Like it's an ongoing joke that I, I just don't tan. I'm just like pink or I'm white. Same here, same here. <laughs> and I just, you know, how much sun cream I put on, I will probably end up burnt because I'll always miss a bit. Uh, this is probably the most tanned I think I've ever been naturally. <laughs> I'm actually an obsessive sun creamer, so um, I don't tan, but I don't burn because I am. I burn so easily that uh, I am a unfun. I always in this heat, I always smell slightly of sun cream. Oh, I'm one of those people that like slaps it on and it's like, yeah, I think I've got everything, and there's like a big patch here, and, like, my back's not yeah. got, and I'm I'm absolutely rubbish. But yes, I mean it's it's perfect reading weather, right? I mean, if you have a, I mean, do you know what? I would say all weather is perfect reading weather, really, isn't it? It's but um, yes, uh, my my partner's been reading outside in the sun. I've been reading in, uh, but he is the opposite. He tans very easily and he loves being warm. So, yeah. Oh, I went to the beach. Unfortunately, I can't swim in the sea either. I've had a tattoo recently, so I couldn't go in the ocean. Oh. I got children to the beach and my husband was like frolicking. And I was like, like fallen, like, skirt on and my thing just looking miserable my friend was like oh I just love the heat I just love being and I was like I hate it I hate sand I hate heat I'm just here for the children <laughs> and if I can't go in the ocean what's the point like <laughs> honestly I was so miserable I must have looked awful in my like all black outfit just sat on the beach sulking but we're obviously here to chat all about books yes so pages and okay. co yes let's <laughs> dive in to where this started so you used to be a librarian I did like, indeed well. yeah which so I'm guessing is influence absolutely yeah so I was a school librarian and then I did have about as a journalist between uh that and writing um so I, I wrote it when when I was a freelance journalist but yes absolutely I was a children's librarian a school librarian so it had a huge impact on me a just in terms of I I read a lot of children's books, obviously, for yeah. um, for my job, but also you just see firsthand 
like the impact that books have on young readers and the impact, yeah, just the really positive impact they can have. And I think that often for us readers, the books that have had like a really formative effect on us are often the ones that we discovered when we were kind of 10, 11, 12. Well, absolutely. And so when I started writing, it actually, do you know what, full disclosure, initially for like half a second, I thought I was gonna write a YA book. But I think that that is because some of my closest friends are YA writers. And so yeah. I couldn't really like interrogate it. I was just like kind of surrounded by people who write YA. Um, but it was immediately obvious that it what didn't work. Like it just wasn't very good. Uh, and then I sort of had this moment of epiphany is a strong word, but realized that, you know, the books I love are kind of the middle grade. Uh, that's what I worked with. And, I, and as soon as I made Tilly... 11 it, everything just fell into place and in hindsight it felt like it was, it would never have worked as a YA book but it wasn't that I thought it would it was that you assumed I, whatever you came, came up with potentially this was like yeah. right at the beginning like literally right at the beginning yeah. um so it, it that was like I, I sometimes don't even mention that because it makes it seem like I was trying like it it, it, it was like half a second um but I just love writing for young people and yeah I, absolutely I, I was a I was a librarian for nearly five years so it, it had a really big impact on how I just approach books and reading yeah it's interesting at the moment uh, I feel like middle grade is kind of having a bit of a a renaissance with adult reading sure, for sure yeah I'm seeing a lot of it on Instagram some people who are really like if you just want to like have pure escapism you know this this is what you need to be reading and you feel yeah. like a child again I mean, have you noticed that on kind of socials? Yeah, I mean, I think it's partly because middle grade is having such a boom just generally. You know, I think we're really in a kind of golden age for children's literature. Middle grade is uh, just even from a cynical perspective, it's doing very well. Publishing obviously is publishing a lot of middle grade at the moment. And I think that inevitably kind of means that it's in the kind of public consciousness or cultural Mm -hmm. conversation. Um, I also think I mean I also think that a good children's book just is a good book (laughs) if it's a good book then you should be able to enjoy it but like you say I do also think especially with you know the world is a fairly intense place at the moment there's a lot like to go there's a lot going on a lot to grapple with and I do think that middle grade fantasy in particular kind of offers a level of escape and nostalgia uh, for kind of being that age but also I think middle grade by its nature is hopeful most middle grade has happy endings or at least resolved endings and I think that it can be quite good for your brain to read something that offers hope at the moment yeah I agree so (laughs) pages and co tell me the novels that are that are out at the moment okay so the first one is Tilly and the Book Wanderers or the Book Wanderers so we have a slight title so in the UK they are the first three have got Tilly and the at the start in the US they were published without that and then from book four onwards we have matched America so that they've got the same title everywhere so okay there's Tilly and the Book Wanderers, Tilly and the Lost Fairy Tales, Tilly and the Map of Stories uh and then the Book Smugglers is book four yeah which is called the Book Smugglers Everywhere uh and then the fifth book which is coming out in the autumn here and in the spring in the US is called The Treehouse Library I would very much like one of those. That to me sounds like pretty much the ideal treehouse that you could build. 
Um, and I do love I mean, it's just wish fulfillment. Like so much of my books yeah. is wish fulfillment. It's like, what do I, I've been trying to get a tree house into the series the whole time because I love tree houses. And I finally worked out like an organic, like a, a, a something I can, ju- a, a place I can justify having a tree house. They're just like cramming a tree house in there for no good reason. Yeah. I've, been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting for somewhere to put a tree house. I mean, in terms of writing these novels, it must be fantastic to just get to play. Because you've got to, it's got to be fun and it's got to be magical without some of the confines. I think that with YA, you know, and with adult fantasy, there's quite a lot of kind of confines usually in terms of what you're trying to kind of get across a message or whereas with children's novels, I guess you can kind of really play with your imagination a lot more. Yeah, I would say in terms of, I'm not sure, because obviously I still have things I'm trying, very yeah. much trying to say. I And I think that middle grade requires a level of pace that yeah. is fairly unrelenting. But certainly in terms of imaginative scope, yeah. I think there's very few limits. And that is particular to middle grade. Mm-hmm. You really can just, yeah, as you say, play. And my favourite stage of the book is where I'm at with pages six at the moment. So there's going to be one more. Um, which will come out next year but I'm at that really fun bit where I I really need to start drafting it seriously but my favorite bit is before I kind of have my deadline and I have to start drafting and I just am at the point where I'm kind of collecting ideas and making notes and researching and I love a Pinterest board and that just is such an exciting it just feels like you can just yeah play with anything and then you have to start shaping it into something with pace and structure Um, and that is the thing often honestly I've I've had to lose things that I really loved the idea of just because it just didn't fit the book it didn't I have a lot of kill your darling scenarios where I've written a scene that works and it's like it's a good scene in itself but it doesn't tell you anything about the characters or move the pace along and I've had to and you've got to keep kids attention right they've got their focus needs to be kept yeah um and you know I've some scenes I'm extremely fond of that haven't made it into the final book but I, I'm I'm relatively um like pragmatic I would say about writing I don't find it too tricky once I've realized that something isn't adding to the kind of pace or the plot of the characters like I, I don't find it too heart-wrenching to get rid of it because it's in service of the book being as good as it can yeah. be and how much I like the scene I I'm um quite a pragmatic writer I think in terms of um I think it comes from having done journalism and being very analytical about other people's books I think I I hope I can be analytical about my books and be fairly yeah practical and unemotional when it comes to kind of cutting things or or working stuff out I think I don't know as my editor might say differently but (laughs) is that true I'm I'm always curious with children's novels with middle grade is is it ever like tested on children which sounds a bit weird <laughs> but do, do you kind of have to get it kind of as it read to kids is there any kind of I mean it- not as a like a a part of the editing process it's n- not a formal part of it no um I, I don't know I know some authors kind of will read it to children they know I don't have children um I so I wouldn't do anything I've written to my own children because they would just be like what are you doing now this is boring go away I think that um it's a tricky one because I don't I'm very wary of my number one rule is like don't patronize your readers and don't patronize young people but obviously 
a, a 10 year old has a different kind of grasp on how fiction works from a kind of, yeah, of course. perspective yeah. so um and also honestly I write I write my first drafts incredibly quickly basically on pure instinct and I just yeah. think that I have I books meant everything to me when I was growing up and I still read a huge amount and I think about everything I read and I just have to trust that instinct based on what I know I loved to read when I was young. Are you writing these for young Anna? Is that kind of what you're writing when you're writing them as a little part of you writing books that you Absolutely a part of it. And as much as anything though, I really think that I write my best when I am writing something not necessarily for past me but that just that I would have loved to read I know that that sounds like a bit of a it's a bit of a fuzzy distinction um but it's not so much as a that I was didn't feel served as a as a reader it's not that I'm feeling like I'm filling a gap that wasn't there when I was growing up it's more just um writing something that I would have loved to read and trusting that I'll do my best writing if I'm riffing on and following the instincts that are kind of rooted in that also the covers are gorgeous oh, like, yeah I can say this because I have nothing to do with them they really like pop, so go- they like pop like you spot them as soon as you're in like waterstones wherever you just spot them because they're so glorious again yeah. is it funny when you've got images of characters on the front is it funny because is that how you picture them in your head or is it kind of they just make something um up? well Obviously, at this point, the characters are kind of established in yeah. terms of I've already. But when you have a new character, you kind of go through. So I, the first three books are illustrated by uh, Paula Escobar, and then books four, book four, five, and the last one will be by a different illustrator called Marco Guadalupe. And they've both been really wonderful to work with. I um, am not a fan personally of doing really detailed physical descriptions of people, mm-hmm. and so that has sometimes um, meant that obviously they have to do a bit of filling in the gaps and sometimes it's annoying for everyone um because of me um so there's a new character in book five um and Marco did a lovely description that absolutely fitted what I put on the in the text but when I saw it I was like oh, but, oh, that's, oh that's not what she looked like looks like and that's and just to be clear that's entirely on me uh, <laughs> and it's only when I sort of see I I have a very clear visual image of the settings of my books. I don't have a very clear visual image of my characters, which I think is why I don't describe them in lots of detail, but they're a bit blurry, honestly, in my head. And I don't know why, (laughs) don't know why that is. Um, I... It's, it's a funny one of my favorite books is a book called what we see when we read by Peter Mendelssohn who's a book design American book designer and it's all about the science of what we see when we read like literally what, yeah. like, how our imaginations work and he writes really interestingly about people and characters in particular how um it's basically like it, the more you think about it the less you can yeah. imagine a character so if you just say like if I'm not when I'm writing because absolutely the characters exist in my head yeah. and I can see them but if I stop and try and like look directly at them I, I I don't really know and I end up just kind of making decisions based on well I've 
got a brunette character so I guess it's on all the blonde and you know like it's a bit random honestly um and sometimes it's really important and honestly sometimes I like to uh, adult characters I always kind of low-key describe them as like an actor or an actress I like just in case they ever get made into anything <laughs> like well it's in the text that that guy looks like Mads Mikkelsen so I guess you'll oh. have to, I guess you'll have to hire Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> excellent um, choice as well fantastic choice well if people have read book four onwards the, the villain from book four onwards is the alchemist and I'm absolutely imagine uh imagine him as Mads Mikkelsen so if you've read it that's who you should wow. picture I mean he isn't imagining Mads Mikkelsen um, <laughs> But also, I think with character, it's very important to allow a reader to be able to kind of use their own imagination a bit as well and be able to kind of, fill sure. it. you know, with the setting, it's lovely to have really detailed descriptions so you can really picture yourself there. But with the character, if you want to fill in the blanks a little bit or even kind of imagine yourself in them a little bit. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's always a balance between I have like an instinct towards not describing characters really at all. But um, I feel I think you have to be um also realistic about the fact that um like the default is white still and if you don't physically describe um a character they will be assumed to be white especially because I'm a white author and especially writing for children it's important to me that the, the the cast of characters is representative and so honestly a lot of it is a lot of it is because of that you know and characters we still you know live in a society that will default to white um and so a lot of the description is just ensuring that that doesn't happen uh, and that the book represents the world and yeah. the world I live in and the society I live in and the people I know um so honestly a lot of it is rooted in in that as well um putting physical descriptions in that's really interesting because I think especially as you say for children representation now and seeing themselves reflected on the pages is really important um, yeah really and not just and not just race obviously like that applies to like disability yeah. uh and sexuality and you know ev- everything it's just you know that's what I live in and so I want the characters in my books to reflect that I remember reading when I was younger reading Jacqueline Wilson um and kind of being shot that there were elements of my home life that were being reflected in these pages mm-hmm. stories that I don't think had ever kind of been raised so much for for young readers uh, oh, quite hard hitting themes as well but told in yeah. such a way and like you say I think it's so important not to patronize your audience because children have such an understanding of our world and empathy and they can really vibe on emotions and I think it was really interesting how that's kind of progressed now through stories I think stories for children are a lot more mature than they ever were in a lot of ways they explore things with children in such a different way now when I pick up books for my kids I get quite often quite emotional with some of them because I think god I don't remember reading books like this as a kid I do think that we part of that is just because so much is published now that we you have a bit more of everything because I do think that did exist um but I also think publishing now has much more clearly defined age groups you know like when I was growing up middle grade wasn't a term that's obviously been from America even YA wasn't really like in my local library like there was a kids and it was like classics essentially and then like Sweet Valley High books and American books yeah uh, and there was but Judy Bloom as well I used to chuck a bit of Judy Bloom in there yes for sure but I think that so there were because I do feel like I read a, a lot as a young person that did get into stuff um but that is absolutely I think it's easier to find now because yeah. there's more so you can kind of cover 
um everything because there's also just really good like comedy silly books like and I think that sometimes there's a real snobbery in the publishing industry about like silly funny books and I don't mean just like silliness in a like in a like um like with no purpose you know just like yeah like an idiotic kind of nonsense well no nonsense isn't even the right word but like I'm a big believer in silly funny uh books and I think we've got we also have so many really kind of wonderful books and it's easy I think to ascribe value to books especially children's books that well actually this happens across in adult as well you know you look at the way that kind of rom-coms and romance are yeah, kind of, um, or like women I'm I was doing women's fiction I'm being <laughs> you can't see me doing air quotes but like you know commercial fiction that's deemed yeah. like commercial women's fiction um you know so I think it's easy to it's very different isn't it across publishing and even with book reviewers and things I think there's like you say a little bit of snobbery with rom-coms with you Absolutely. know it's, really, it's hard to do those things well as it is anything else yeah oh my god completely completely and I also think you know you look at Roald Dahl his books were very dark but also very funny like there's ridiculousness there's an anarchicness to Dahl and also uh, this is perhaps sacrilege a mean-spiritedness to doll that I, I, oh my I find a little unsettling coming back to them as an adult oh my goodness I've started rereading to my little girl she's only five um I'm <laughs> making some choices that aren't great but we'll find out down the line but we read Matilda we've read Matilda uh Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory Charlie in the Chocolate Factory um and we've started reading the BFG and yeah there is a bit of spite in there there are some moments that you're like I don't yeah. think I could read the twits with her because I think all the witches, I think she would legitimately be a bit frightened. Yeah, there's also a lot of fat phobia. Um, yeah. So, and this is not me saying that there is no value to Dahl. Obviously, he <laughs> like is a key part of the canon and yeah. does some, some things very well. But I think, yeah, coming back to it as an adult, I was slightly disconcerted as to the, but you know what? Maybe that's, I don't know. If that's maybe like, that's what children kind of enjoy. Maybe they kind of enjoy the kind of the, the naughty element of his books you know I don't know it's it's really but reading the back with fresh eyes I was like this is even SEO trot I love SEO trot and I was reading it, I was like he's basically just tricking this woman into marrying him yeah and like you know like George's Marvelous Medicine he is like fully trying to kill his grandma <laughs> and it's like oh it's whimsical because it's got all this stuff in it but like it's it's really like it's in the BFG really... I was reading to my little girl and she's very we call her Little Wednesday Adams because she's quite a morbid child in a lot of ways. <laughs> but we were reading and there's kind of bits about like the bone cruncher and the maid muncher. And I was like, oh, maybe I glossed over this as a child and didn't really fully absorb that. But I was I was kind of reading. I was like, ooh. Yeah, although I think children have a real appetite for darkness, probably more than adults, because I think that for us, we read that and we contextualize it in the real world where these things, people are awful and and we, you you know we talk about like killing your grandma or people being tricked into marriage and it's hard as an adult to not be like think about the real life version of that whereas when you're a child you don't know that people are really doing things like that yeah, and so I think it's fantasy it's full make-believe the darkness and it's a way to test out how you feel about stuff without having that underpinning of knowing what happens in the real world which yeah. makes it harder I think to just embrace and also we just um, you know we take on board kind of the things we understand and you just kind of the other stuff gets left behind in a yeah until you're kind of ready to look at it so 
it's interesting yeah children's books it's, it's all it's very a deep that, yeah it's a, a rabbit hole to fall down so I'm yeah. I'm guessing with your novel evening we're gonna have some children's characters or authors or could I be wrong you yeah no I I must admit as much thing I think I overthought this perhaps because <laughs> I was like well if it's adult you know if it's children then like you have to either commit to all children because you know I want to go to a nice restaurant I want to have a glass of wine you know so yeah. I've picked I've picked all <laughs> I've picked um I've picked four like duos so an author and one of their characters oh I like um, this you're the second person to do something similar uh, I'm impressed with this planning um so, so they're all adult the characters are adults okay um, that's fine so I just thought as soon as you have a child in the mix it just changed you know it changes the I've overthought it but I just you know it changes the tone as a parent of the music, I do know it? this they, they and I want to be able to like talk to these people and like really get into it and I think that if you had a child there you know I don't want to like scar Anne of Green Gables by you know talking about into you know whatever anything the anything pick, at all you know? that you you discuss over a glass of wine yeah. um, and also honestly I get to do a lot of my kind of wish fulfillment of talking to fictional characters obviously through writing pages and code you know like they're children in that and I spend a lot of time thinking about speaking to characters like Anne Shirley or Alice in Wonderland so I do think I have that it's kind of scratched a bit because I spent a lot I spent a lot of time thinking about that yeah. whereas because I don't obviously write for adults that it, this is kind of for me it's fun to think about the the adult characters okay so first off where are we going to go for your evening so again theme of all of this is me overthinking it and probably thinking about it too literally <laughs> um because initially I was like well the temptation is to go somewhere I would like to visit somewhere like kind of wild and wonderful like a madhouse tea party or like Gatsby's parties yeah. but actually I think I'm gonna disregard the fictional for this one Ooh. because I think actually what I want is to go to like a nice private dining room in a restaurant I love like Banconi which is one of my favorite Italian restaurants in London they have a private dining room where they do like big share bowls of pasta and I was like actually do you know what private room big bowls of pasta nice few bowls of wine actually I think that that's what I would go for I'm not complaining at all you have me a pasta <laughs> Are you having a sharing bowl of pasta? Yeah, what's going on in like the excitement? Like, because I'm like, I did. Uh, you couldn't have a conversation with someone at like one of Gatsby's parties, and I so I was struggling to think of like a kind of meal slash party situation where you could actually. I've prioritized conversation over kind of vibes. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. I I get that. There's you know, there's different evenings, isn't there? And some evenings you want to just raucous dancing. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going like dinner party vibes. Yeah, you get to converse. Okay. I like yeah, because I feel like it's otherwise you're wasting the opportunity to have to talk to these people. You know, if it was like if I could go with my friends somewhere, I'd be like Gatsby's party. Yes, like that, yes. That's there. But you know, if you this is like your one opportunity to like meet and talk to these people, I want somewhere we can like sit and like get into it. Okay. That's absolutely I I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> Good explanation. Okay. <laughs> Who's the first duo that's going to work? Okay, so let's start with Audrey Niffenegger. And actually, do you know what? Actually, I can't decide. So Audrey Niffenegger, the author of The Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah. Uh, so I'm doing this one first because this is the book of the four books. This is the one I encountered first as a reader. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't decide actually whether to have Henry or Claire, which is the leads in The Time Traveler's Wife. Um, I think I'd probably... I'd probably go with Claire, I think, because um, I had the biggest 
fictional crush on Henry um, as a teenager. Uh, but when you read the book as an adult, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's not really a romance. And actually one of my kind of pet peeves is the way people talk about the time traveler's life. It's actually a very prickly, weird book. Yeah, about I always found it very odd. And kind of voice and fate. Yeah, it's so strange to me. People are like, oh, like you say, like as a teenager, you just get lost in the romance, don't right. you? As an adult, I'm like, it's happening here a bit questionable well I don't think it's questionable like in the sense I think that's what the book is about like I think it, it it's it's a it's one of my favorite favorite books I have a different relationship with as an adult but I I must I get frustrated by the kind of oh Henry's grooming Claire because I for me oh, I definitely don't think it's that I don't know for me I just feel like and maybe it's because I'm a deeply cynical human being um I kind of was like well oh, this isn't really gonna work is it like why why are they sticking this out when this isn't gonna work and I get that the whole point of it is that they do but I think I'm just a miser Anna I think I just <laughs> I think I just can't get lost in the in the love because yeah, I mean I guess it's just that in yeah as an adult I very much read it as like it's not really like a kind of it's nowhere near to a kind of traditional romance and it's all about the fact that Henry is a very flawed person and kind of choice and and fate and how much say does Claire have and how does that impact them and I know I love it I think it's a really really clever book that is obviously extremely popular so she's doing all right like she's doing fine yes, but yeah. that I get I my think opinion that, doesn't matter too much in the grand oh not so much your opinion I but just generally I think that people um I would encourage people to go and read it and like really read the, the book, yes. not what you think, not you, what one thinks it's saying or is about. Um... I think I haven't read it in a long time. I have to say, I would be intrigued to go back with kind of new eyes, especially now I've had children because mm. um, I was kind of in my mid twenties when I read it. So it'd yeah. be interesting to see how I feel about it now. Um, and I'd be interested to speak to the author and be like, where did this come from? Yeah, so I have actually, I do know Audrey a little bit. So this is, um, I, I also know that she's good company. She's very oh. clever, kind of weird. And I mean, that's a huge compliment woman uh, who- You have to be to write a story like that, surely. Yeah, and be- her other work is really weird and beautiful. She does like graphic novels and very strange work in a beautiful way that everything is spiky and, and weird uh, and yeah. kind of dark. Um, so I'm a big fan of all of her work and I, she's lovely as well so I think that being able to get into all of this with her and Henry and Claire I'm gonna have both of them if that's okay I'll have both of them you can have you can have um actually do you know what actually the conversation would be more interesting probably if Henry wasn't there so we'll have Audrey and Claire uh to discuss and we could talk about Henry because I think that talk I I have talked to Audrey a little bit about this and it is part of the reason I am a bit evangelical not evangelical but like kind of um but if you've got that insight in that conversation, you know, so I'm I'm kind of my opinion is based on reading it as a 20 something year old. I haven't had the author's insight. I haven't been able to kind of discuss it. Um, so maybe what I would have to do before this novel evening is go and read it, <laughs> reevaluate how I feel and then come to and be like, OK, this is how I now feel. Yeah. And also you might feel the same. I'm like very much a big believer in like what, you, you know, what anyone gets from a book is valid and death of the author and all of that. But I do, I think I only get, I get frustrated when I think that meanings are put onto a book that aren't like 
really yeah I have read some of them you in know, the books he's a groomer and she was a child and I definitely didn't read it that way because it's so complex isn't it it's such right. a, okay, I, just, I find that a, um I find that a very unnuanced take on the book <laughs> it's an easy take to make um I also think it doesn't only watched a film yeah and the film is so bad so like and I think that that take just doesn't really give the author credit either like I, I get frustrated when people sort of sometimes talk about it like she didn't realize that that was an element of the story the fact that she is a child and Henry's an adult like that's purposeful like she's trying to explore that and make you think yeah. about what you feel comfortable with like and I think that again you know I am not I I am wary of being like you have like books mean one thing and one thing only and you, you, you have to read them right but I guess I think this this book because it's a book that means a lot to me but also you're passionate book. about this book and that is is no bad thing I think we all have a book probably in our lives that we are like passionate about like this book yeah. is a, you know and I think because it got so popular, I think that it's been subject to a lot of takes. And yeah. so like inevitably when a book is like much discussed uh, by a lot of people, it's going to be subject to kind of things where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's just a book that means a lot to me. I read it when I was 17 and it was recommended to me by my, my school librarian when it first came oh. out and I just couldn't put it down. And so it's, I think it was I, well, probably one of the first books I read that was like not, not first book for adult but like there was a new release so I used to just I've read lots I'd read lots of books for adults both through school and just wandering around the library but this was like it was a brand new book and the librarian had kept it to one side for me and just felt really fresh and exciting so I am and it's it's also a book that yeah has really evolved with me in terms of reading it at different stages in my life and what I've got from it so that would be my first pick I feel that my book that was like that was The Other Billing Girl by Philip Gregory. That was like mm. the first adult book that I picked up in a bookshop right. and bought and took away. And I still maintain, it might be historically completely inaccurate. I like fell in love with that book. I will like die on the hill for that book. I will not die on the hill for the film adaptation because it was I, awful. I have feelings about that book that I don't... <laughs> um but but we don't the thing is I think it is a super I a really enjoyable engrossing book that she's done a really I think she's a good novelist my issue is I studied history at university and I specifically oh, yeah. studied <laughs> Anne Boleyn <laughs> do you know, uh, I have tons of Anne Boleyn tattoos I'm a big Anne fan uh, I think I yeah. just I think I, it was the first book I'd read that was probably just unlike anything I'd read yeah. in history you know history at school was like yeah and I get like the thing I would be lying if I said I didn't really enjoy the book but I find um uh, sometimes I've heard her do interviews where I think there's an implication that the book is I think I'm very wary of just like I don't want to bad mouth like I just think sometimes there's an implication that the book is more historically accurate than it is. And I just think, why not just let it be a great novel in spite of it doesn't make it a less good novel. In fact, I think it makes it a better novel if you embrace the fact that it's a like, what if version of it? And to kind of- Yeah, no, I I agree with that. No historians think that she had sex with her brother. That is not something anyone, like any real historians think happened. (laughs) Like- no. Um, and so to imply that like oh maybe it's just like it's okay to imagine like what if but like let's yeah. just be clear 
that it's, it's a novel it. and it's a great novel but it's a novel let's not pretend it is a it, fictional it, novel yeah or that it was like like researched <laughs> in minute care from first-hand sources like and that's not I don't want to be snob like that's not just like I really enjoyed the book I just wish that it I wish that um it was embraced as a novel do you know what I'm also like part of this is me just being like <laughs> basically I had this ridiculous argument with someone a friend of a friend because she'd read it and was like insisting to me that this is what happened the whilst I was studying it at university I was like and I was like it's a great book but like it isn't that is that didn't and she was like adamant having read no I love the book but it was real and I was like no it's a great novel but it's a novel and also this like farcical farcical situation where you're like arguing like I'm like it's just his like it's it's history obviously we'll never really know but you know there's there's a lot of stuff we do know and so I'll die on the hill for the the novel as a fiction that's that's fair yeah I'm not gonna die on the hill for historical accuracy uh or die on the hill for Philippa Gregory although I loved all of her books as fiction (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly do you know what I that's the thing as long as like that is that I'm all on board I think that she writes it'd be like great engrossing historical like, fiction yeah like the time traveler's wife is exactly what would happen if we could go back in time yeah it's just like you know think well and you know what this actually leads very nicely onto Ooh. my next pick which is Hilary Mantel and Thomas Cromwell <laughs> I mean yes Wolf Hall is Love Philippa Gregory's writing, brilliant. Love Alison Weir's writing, brilliant. Hilary Mantel is like a whole other level, right? Like it's just. I mean, I really think she's one of the best, like living novelists. Yeah. Full stop. Oh, and also, I want to specify. I don't. I don't want a historical Thomas Cromwell. I want Hilary Mantel's Thomas Cromwell. Um, I just love those books. I think Wolf Hall is well, Wolf Hall is one of my all-time favorite books, and I think that she does such a wonderful job of well I mean mainly she's just an extraordinary writer like you say like they are so clever and so moving but also funny and I just think that that trilogy is a staggering achievement and I would love I've met her very briefly like for like very briefly and she had a real I thought she had a real mischievous energy to her that you don't really necessarily get to see when she's doing like press and stuff like that I just think that she would be an incredible dinner party person I think she would be like also her um essay Royal Bodies which is Mm -hmm. about like uh Anne Boleyn and Kate Middleton and women in the royal family I think is one of the best pieces of non-fiction writing yeah. I've read even those it caused a ridiculous ruckus oh my goodness the response to that was so ridiculous anyway I just love her I love her French Revolution novel as well a place yes. I love her journalism like I just I just think that in a private setting she'd be very like wickedly funny and she'd have good publishing gossip and she's so clever um and actually you know I'm like Cromwell can come her Cromwell can come but really really it's yes, her. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I mean her Cromwell what would he be like at a dinner party probably I think he'd be quite quiet he'd probably have very intelligent taking it all in yeah I think that if he was off duty which I guess I don't know how do you how do the characters 
know this is my pages and co-brain I'm like do they know how are they understanding the reality of what's happening like <laughs> oh, I guess they understand to a degree yeah <laughs> I'm like, I feel oh, like Cromwell if he knew he was off duty would be good value oh, I think yeah, he's, much yeah, like Louis Mantel honestly I think yeah uh, yeah just good gossip clever funny uh but obviously if he was having to like pen if he thought yeah it was real like then he would be like you say I think kind of taking everything in you think I think you'd have to really prize open his shell in that instance mm. you'd have to to get in there with him mm. but I think Hillary I'm I'm really fascinated by by that idea of her because there is something about her she kind of I don't know she does have a bit of a cheeky glint in her eye and I think she's a very unafraid woman as you say she writes things and speaks her mind and I think she'd be great conversation yeah I love her uh so that's my second pick perfect how many more duos have you got two more two more okay Okay. So this is another all-time favourite book. So my penultimate duo would be Virginia Woolf and Orlando. Um, okay. Orlando is one of my favourite, favourite books. Um, I just think it is so, again, clever and funny and just subversive, especially for its time. And I just, I think I'd be low-key terrified of Virginia Woolf because I think, like, she, you know, she's obviously a complicated woman and didn't, um, suffer fool. what's the phrase suffer fools gladly yeah and I, I'd be very intellectually intimidated by her actually I'd be intellectually intimidated by all these people I would um, not engage with any of them I would just be I'd like to do you know what I actually would just like to be an observer in this situation like I would pay so much money to see Hilary Mantel and Virginia Woolf have a conversation like I think that would be like uh, just the the, the most like I can't even fathom how amazing that would be um so I would more with Virginia Woolf I find her particularly um yeah I just think she's but I just think she's brilliant she's one of my favorite writers um for her novels and her non-fiction and I would mainly just like to I, I would like to talk to Orlando who I think I would have a huge crush on but I would like to watch Virginia Woolf and Hilary Mantel have a conversation Okay, I think that's very fair. I'd be intrigued to see what Orlando and Virginia Woolf are like together in this setting. I think they'd probably be flirting. Mm, that would I, I'd enjoy that. Uh, yeah, I think... I just, yeah, Orlando had a massive impact on me and I would definitely have, I think, a bit of a crush on them. Uh, okay uh, yeah so I think they'd also just be good you know they've lived through so much history that they'd be oh. great a great dinner party guest again good gossip basically I'm realizing that my criteria are like clever funny good gossip that's yeah, that that's a dinner party uh, and I think Orlando has like gossip from like several courts and across time periods so just and well dressed so and maybe with Claire as well there's some you know there's some stuff with time there that could bring up some conversations yeah no you're right yeah exactly there's just so much so much to go on yeah, yeah. Okay. so I don't think you can go wrong with um that no okay I'm intrigued by what the dynamics of your last duo will bring yeah. well this is perhaps throws it off a bit actually <laughs> because this is a bit more serious maybe oh. um but I just read earlier this year I read The Colour Purple for the first time and I just it's such an extraordinary book so my last duo would be Alice Walker and C.E. Oh. Um, 
I would love to talk to them both about gender and sexuality and faith in particular. I had a very, very religious childhood and I found the book profoundly lovely in its discussion of faith. Um, I find that often religion in books is dealt with in a very ham-fisted way and either religious people are treated as idiots or it's kind of um, treated as like this very beautiful unimpeachable thing a la Marilyn Robinson and I think that uh it's rare to read nuanced explorations of it that respect why people are drawn to it whilst also interrogating what is wrong with religion essentially um uh, one of my favorite books last year was um Transcendent Kingdom by Yard Jassy and that is is again just has such a nuanced um understanding of of faith and religion and this book just I thought that also when it you know for when it was written like just that idea of faith as appreciating a beauty in the world and that that can be rooted in a belief in in a god but it doesn't have to be rooted in a belief of a god and um that faith is is love and it doesn't have to be attached to religion but also its intersection with sexuality, um, I thought was just um, profoundly beautiful, honestly. Um, I thought, I mean, obviously I'm not like, <laughs> people know the color purple is good, but I am, and I have newly come to it. Um, and it's a book I really, really wish I'd read when I was younger. I think it would have given me a lot of hope and insight when I was um, kind of grappling with a lot of those things myself. Um, but I'm glad that I have come to it now. Uh, and I would just, I'd love to talk to both of them, both about about all of that, basically. I think faith is such a, a complex thing as well. You know, it's it's not a black and white subject. It's all the shades of grey you can imagine. And faith means different things to different people. Um, it's often know. really treated as a black and white thing in fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think often by people who honestly, uh, I'm where. I think often people who don't have any experience with faith and religion write it in a very unnuanced way. But I also think that um, people who uh, have active faith obviously then have bring that to it. Like Marilyn yes. Robinson is a writer that I have a very complicated relationship with because I think that she is an extraordinary, like just an extraordinary writer. But I can't, re- I just can't read her books. I find them so upsetting as someone who has had experience with um, very tight-knit religious communities and the way that it's written about makes me feel like panicky Um, that sort of mindset anyway that's a that's a conversation for another time (laughs) but it's um, very interesting though it's it's very interesting so the color purple it's it's one of my mum's favorite books and that's who I discovered it through bizarrely I think I might have watched the film first with her and then gone to the gone to the book but also, like you say, it it's so beautiful. It's so poignant. The relationships in it are so deep as well. Like I feel all the relationships that it covers are just so heart deep and you feel for these characters. Yeah. Oh my goodness, a- I, I don't want to do spo- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you, spoilers for a book that's so famous, but, uh, but well, I'm not, I won't yeah, miss- If you don't make a spoiler, miss- pause. <laughs> Well, no, no, because you know what? I've only just come to it. Like, I think I won't, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but I will just say for those who've read it, there is a, I think you probably know which, but I mean, there's a bit really near the end and, um, and you know, actually you're right. Put, don't listen to the next 30 seconds if you haven't read The Colour Purple. But And pick I, it up and read it if that's the case. Yes. 
the, when her sister comes back and she thinks that her sister is, is dead I just like just was like <laughs> explosion to subs also I have a I have a little sister who I'm extremely protective of because we both also again grew up in like this very religious yes. scenario and so also anything to do with sisters also always gets me so just the combination of all of that was just like I found it yeah a very overwhelming in a good way um read there's only three books that have ever made me actually physically cry and that is a little like three yeah I'm, I'm I cry at every other book <laughs> I read I'm such a crier I'm like I'll maybe get a bit wobbly lit but actual like tear I cry a lot more at films and television and like visual things maybe I kind of dumb it down in my head a little bit but um yeah a little life uh Betty made me absolutely weep and yeah the color purple made me like sob so as we definitely are on the same page that uh the color purple i haven't read betty although i have it uh and i'm at, i mean a little life did make me cry a lot but i don't like a little life uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> a little life was a book that was is so beautiful but it was also like torture from page one to the last page and it was those books i put down i'd be like oh god i'm gonna have to pick that up again in a bit and something awful is gonna happen it's well it's definitely a marmite book isn't it i think oh my god tend to either love it or hate it um i um <laughs> found it a little emotionally manipulative uh, and yes. the I can fully... quantity of bad stuff for me tipped a little bit into um oh hang on i'm so sorry i've just had a thing saying my computer is going to restart in i don't want to restart it and it's doing a countdown cancel <laughs> sorry <laughs> this is like computer will restart in 59 seconds 58 no. seconds. And you got countdown to stop okay i think i've inverted it if don't i worry. do just abruptly go give me a second i'll come back fine <laughs> don't worry no, i hate that because you suddenly forget how to like function with a computer yeah. and you're like oh how do i I'm like how do i stop it and of course it's just a battle at buttons and cancel. i feel like, like you and i are gonna have if we ever met in real life we'll have some like healthy debates about books yeah no what's interesting is I don't think we have the same taste which I love talking to people who have different like who love books but don't have the same taste like and obviously we've got overlap but clearly (laughs) it's not like yeah like I loathe classics clearly differences but I find that I like I don't like talking to people who don't like the same books as me if they're like not big readers because I'm just like okay fine you just read whatever you want (laughs) but I love talking to people who are like love reading yeah. about things that we differed on because oh my god it's fascinating like a proper conversation about it yeah I, I I find it fascinating so actually this is really I see your reasons as well for people that you've chosen and I do see your reasons like books with like a little life I absolutely see your reasons for that because it was a book that left me with a I really love the writing but it left me with a very peculiar feeling at the end of it like I wasn't really comfortable with reading it I would say if you want to maintain your relationship with the book don't interrogate that feeling too much because I feel like I had the same thing I was very into it wept through it had that feeling and then really like interrogated it and then the more I thought about it the more the more I didn't like the book to the point where now I'd say I hate it (laughs) so yeah I think uh, that is how you could feel Betty my feelings with Betty is Betty is very similar and does explore some similar themes However, it's it's written, the author's grandmother is Betty. Yeah, so I remember. Family story. So that it. to me, I don't know. It's very confusing, isn't it? Because I feel there's some stories, how can you truly tell those stories when you've not lived that? Whereas this is her exploration of generational trauma. That's her looking back on her grandmother, her, you know. I don't know. It's, it's a very difficult subject, isn't it? 
Yeah, I'm just gonna like, I'm sorry if you can hear, are you gonna hear me typing? I'm not sure if you're gonna be able to hear me typing because uh, I'm looking up this article and I wanna make sure I, it's, um, <laughs> because I really must, I, I really, hang on. Here we go. So um, if, I don't, mm, I would say this it's a, it's an it's an it's a it's a piece by Andrea Longtu, yeah. the journalist about Hanyu Yanagihara, yeah, the author of Little Life. I would say it's an excellent piece of journalism. I would say to to you, but generally to anyone listening, if you love a little life and you want to preserve that, and that is a special book to you, don't read this. Please send it to me. I I don't. I really precious. do. Like sometimes reading experiences are precious, and that's like a good. Like I have books that I loved. I read in my early twenties. It's a precious reading experience, and I know that if I read it now, I would interrogate it differently. Yeah. And I just think it's really okay to preserve a book that meant something to you and not go back to it and not interrogate it because it means oh. something to you like I really really believe that so but this this so do that's you send it to me I would be very I'm not saying that in like a patronizing way because I absolutely have books that I'm uninterested in coming at uh, from like an intellectual a million little pieces <laughs> is my one and I know that that was deeply there were so many issues but it's a book <laughs> that I read at a time when I really needed to read that book and it really did something for me at a point where absolutely yeah. and that's yeah and I have those books and so this is so for people listening so if you google Andrea Longchu Hanya Yanagihara it will come up but also if you google Hanya Yanagihara Vulture then it will come up um Danny I'll send you the link yeah. um but yeah it's a brilliant piece of uh journalism but it is a fairly unflinching critique of her as a writer um and yes uh, uh and they also wrote a brilliant they did an interview with a Tessa Moshfeg recently that is a similar like oh brutal I would never want Angela Longtree to write about me <laughs> they are the most incredible writer um but yeah I'll send you I'll send you the link um oh goodness I, I'm loving that we've fallen into some really deep discussions through <laughs> this as well um and I I do love your dinner party because I think actually it really reflects you. I think it really reflects parts of you you want to explore and discuss. And I think that's beautiful. You've clearly thought it through, um, which I greatly appreciate. But I do have a question in, is anyone not welcome to your email? <laughs> okay, so um, I'm not gonna get too specific because the internet can be a horror show for talking about such subjects. Uh, what I will say is that trans rights are human rights and anyone who doesn't agree with that would not be welcome uh, and I mean that would be my only exclusion in terms of people who were like characters or authors um who were just like obviously like bigoted in some way or evil or and you know like leaving aside people who'd be like dangerous or yeah. awful I don't think there's an author or a fictional character that I would not want to even the kind of ones that I'm not drawn to I just think I do a lot of chairing I interview a lot of other authors yes. people sometimes assume that that's sort of something I do out of financial requirement and whilst also obviously it's nice to be paid to do I like that helps financially but mainly I would never however successful I was I would never want to stop doing that because I absolutely love getting to talk to other authors about their work and how they approach writing and the books that mean something to them um so I just don't think yeah leaving aside things like you know not thinking that some people should have human rights uh there isn't an author or a character that I wouldn't 
want to speak to um, that's yeah. incredibly fair and you know it's the same same reason I do this um you know I, I started this back in November um so I'm not making a massive bank on it um <laughs> much to my husband's chagrin to be honest but you know getting to talk to to authors like yourselves you know I do write I would love to to be a writer well I am a writer but you know what I mean um but getting to talk it like this is invaluable you know I get to have a novel evening every time I do do an episode like this and as you say I think having differing opinions is actually really interesting I think it can like this we have very different tastes clearly I feel like over a glass of wine we could really dig deep into some novels but if you are someone who's coming to the table with you know transphobia homophobia racism that you you know you are not willing to be open or have a discussion that even wavers that you don't want that energy no the thing is I I think that people can put it all into one bucket of like oh differing opinions and I'm like right disagreeing on a little life that's a difference of opinion yeah disagreeing on whether people should have human rights that is not like a difference of opinion that is not no. up for debate that's not something I will deign to treat as a debate uh, I'm uninterested in discourse about that because it's people and their human rights and their <laughs> right to safety so yeah let's I am all for you know pan upon can you imagine that? Can you imagine let's debate all yeah. of that human rights no, no. thanks can you imagine Hilary Mantel and Virginia Woolf? And um, can you imagine that conversation if someone came in with that attitude anyway? I'd be so embarrassed if I had, I mean, Virginia wrote Virginia Woolf wrote Orlando. Like, I mean, to be fair, I would love to see Virginia Woolf and Orlando eviscerate someone with oh, transphobic reviews at, uh, with their transphobic opinions. But imagine. <laughs> wouldn't need to say anything because I feel like they'd be cut down to size within a manner. Like, imagine that, like Virginia Woolf stare as well, that like intense. Can you imagine it? I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like, I would not want to be on, I wouldn't want to be on any of these people's bad sides. <laughs> no, not at all. You've got- Fictional it's- and the non-fictional. None of these people, I, I think, I don't think you'd want any of them as your enemy. No, well, I completely agree with that. It's a strong group. Um, and I think there'll be some very interesting conversation. Um, and we've had an interesting conversation about them. So, <laughs> Both well, I think. I they were there. Well, thank you for sharing your novel evening. Um, incredibly interesting and before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your Sunday what are you reading at the moment uh so okay I'm gonna be cheeky so I can talk about a few things because I just finished reading the prior of the orange tree which I've been meaning to get to for ages and I finally picked it's just I want I've been excited to read it but it's obviously it's very long um but I did an event with Samantha so I finally got around to reading it and oh it's just it's just as good as I hoped I love an epic fantasy especially one um that has um it's interesting I mean this is a whole other other conversation that we don't have time for because it's very like a feminist fantasy but I think an interesting discussion is like because it's not it what is a feminist book is it a book that actively tackles issues around gender and women or is it a book that has the absence of misogyny yeah because I would say that the prior of the orange tree is feminist in the sense that it is absent of misogyny and like it doesn't have gratuitous sexual assault and that makes it feminist but it's but it's but it's not a book that like um is a is, you know, is about feminism isn't yeah. the central theme is it so, and I think the feminism like it's obviously I think just because where we're at with various conversations it's like it feels increasingly like a word that's a very broad umbrella yes um, for discussing a lot of different things within that but regardless I loved it. 
It's um, a fantasy yeah. that has very strong, very capable women in roles that are traditionally in fantasy have been held by men. Yeah. Um, and I think it, you know, there's obviously queer relationships in there, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, I think actually more than feminism, it's just about putting women front and center in a fantasy novel. Yeah, it's just wonderful. It's I thought, and it's just such, it's such fun as well. Like it's such an enjoyable read. Um, so I love that. Um, I have been on audio. I've been listening to The Idiot by Elif Batman, which is a reread, which is one of my favorite books from a couple of years ago. But I just bought the sequel, which is called Either Or, uh, and I wanted to refresh. Yeah. Um, I don't listen to a lot of audio books. I tend to listen to do rereads on audio because I must admit I do sometimes struggle to concentrate yeah. if it's that's all I'm doing. Whereas I find rereads are really good because it's okay if you if you zone out for a second. You're already kind of familiar, aren't you? So yeah, you so I, yeah, I do listen to audiobooks, but it's almost entirely rereads, or I listen to a lot of my childhood favorites um uh, on audio. So I've been listening to The Idiot, which is a reread, but via audio. Um in prep for reading either or i'm also doing some reading that i can't talk about for page six uh and then i think after uh after i've read the elif batman i'm going to read trust by hernan diaz which is oh, that looks so good. um like yeah i love like metafiction and stuff and it's like kind of experimental form stuff so that's kind of cool. where i'm that's a mixed bag as well that's yeah I mean I I read pretty widely um I think the like I don't really have much of an appetite for for horror uh or sci-fi like Mm -hmm. I like like sci-fi tinged fantasy but kind of hardcore sci-fi I don't really read a lot of but I think my brain is big enough I tried to read one recently that was a a space opera and it like the logistics and (laughs) and I was like I my brain is not is not built for this like (laughs) someone has written this and the fact they've written it is clever enough people are picking this up and understanding it and I am not (laughs) yeah I'm not I'm not a big um sci-fi reader. although there's always exceptions to all, all of these yeah. yeah apart from that I really do read I really enjoy reading across genres and ages and everything so uh yeah but always reading a bit of everything exciting stuff well at some point we will get together and we'll have a big old debate about all these yes. books I, I look there's forward more to cans it. of worms we could have opened oh yes so many yeah I look forward to it and thank you so so much for joining me this has been wonderful Thank you so much for having me.